keeping pace with the latest Trots news. Welcome to Gatespeed. Yeah, it's time for Gatespeed on Big V Racing with Matt Nevitt, Matt Stewart, and the great Dan Malecki, who will probably be, be a little bit annoyed at us because he's a big Rihanna fan, I know that, and uh, she's just come out onto the stage and she has got... Uh, everyone's attention, there's no doubt about that with the way that she entered into the arena. Dan Malecki joins us. Hello, Dan. Yeah, hello, hello, Matt. How are you? You've got one eye on the Super Bowl, I know. Well, what are you made of the start of Rihanna's <laughs> performance? Well, she's a lady in red. I've always been captivated by <laughs> ladies in red. Well, uh, nice little Emma Stewart segue there, Dan. Uh, <laughs> hey, before we, talk, before we talk about Rihanna and uh, harness racing, uh, quick reflection on our little trip down to Tassie. Uh, uh, over the weekend where we uh, we had a, a lovely time, didn't we? And uh, to be at yeah. Elwick to see, I think the, the Cup played a distant second fiddle to the, the whole story of the inevitable, the, the win, the reception, the, the quest for the All-Star Mile and the emotion and, and all of it. It was, uh, it was a, a special place to be yesterday, wasn't it? It, it was, wasn't it, Matt? Um, uh, if you weren't there, you probably wouldn't appreciate it as much. And I go to enough race meetings uh, across all three codes to identify the difference between watching at home and being there on track and the things that you pick up. Um, and there was a lot of emotion. It was quite uh, easy to uh, see uh, and feel how the one horse has been captivated by the whole of the racing industry and those that transcend just beyond that are, are now coming into it because of a horse like the inevitable. And and from our perspective, as professionals looking on, I think we walked away, uh, Matt, and we both agreed wholeheartedly. Um, there's no doubt this horse would come to the All-Star Mile and be a significant winning chance. I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, how many horses can win it, but he's one of them. i got no doubt. That acceleration he showed yesterday, um, it was worth going a long way to see. And, uh, yeah, it was terrific. And we'd only had about one drink by then. so we, And we, we didn't back him, so we're not talking through our kick either. And they had a terrific crowd. It's a lovely setup. Um, when you think about it, are there any more beautiful settings than, uh, than, than Elwick with the Derwent and the mountains in the background? It was a, a good day weather-wise. Oh, it was a pleasure to be there, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And only really good horses can get themselves out of strife and then be home for all money in a matter of uh, one or two seconds. And, and that's the way it played out. And Look, I think we both probably feel that... It, you know, for the for the dreamy horses like uh, the inevitable, that maybe the weight for age conditions against the established mainland stars isn't absolutely ideal. But I, I as Mick Sharkey said it this morning too, you could have dropped in any of those big all-star horses to Elwick yesterday, and they wouldn't have won any more impressively. And that's the no, the takeaway that I have as well. And and the, and the. All the talk about him being a little pit pony, when he walked in the mounting yard, all I saw was a really impressive, physically not tall but very robust sort of horse. He certainly, not, he, he certainly doesn't suffer for being, in inverted commas, small, does he? No, he's, look, he's well put together. He's more nuggety, isn't he, than being just that typical 16-1 athletic type of um, uh, sprinter miler. Um, so, look, there'll be other horses bigger than him, but I think he stands his own. Um, I mean, I don't think Mike Tyson was bigger than any other boxer he fought, but he beat them all, didn't he? So, uh, size, um, <laughs> I've got to be careful the way I say it, it doesn't mean everything. <laughs> Uh, let's talk some to uh, trots, Dan, and I'll do my best to stay on track and focus here because Rana's is putting on some sort of performance at the Super Bowl. She's putting on a clinic, Matty. She is putting on a <laughs> clinic. I'm looking forward to 1 o'clock when I can get the YouTube out and watch it over once again. Hey, Dan, special night on Saturday night for the Mannings. We know what a great association they had with, with Night Pistol, and for them to win the Night Pistol 
with Plymouth, uh, Plymouth Chubb on, on Saturday was a, an emotional win, and he's been a very good horse for them. He was a superstar two-year-old. He's really starting to put it together now as a four-year-old. Oh, without a doubt. What, what a fantastic win. Uh, Karen uh, Manning made mention that she was watching old videos of Night Pistol. So you're going back to the mid-1990s to the late 1990s, watching videos on Saturday afternoon before she left. Uh, just remembering the, the great times. It really catapulted her to international fame, as well as the horse and her dad, Peter Manning. So, um, and then the horse, Plymouth Tub, who ran in the Night Pistol, the feature trot race at uh, Melton on Saturday night, and they come out and win. And um, you know, Karen's not the sort of person her emotions will just boil over, but when you know her, uh, oh, well, she said it anyway, but uh, it really, it was a, a special moment for her, and um, she felt it. She felt the build-up to it, and uh, uh, and it was a great result. And, and from the horse's perspective as well, he's the horse that broke his, I think it was his pastern. So he was out of play for quite some uh, some time there. The majority of uh, 2022, he, he won a, a Vic Bread on New Year's Eve, had a broken pastern, and he didn't race for about oh, eight or nine months. And it uh, took a while before he got back into the groove. He won a few races, and he still showed he's got a good deal of ability but now taking on the older class horses, and he was terrific. There was, believe it or not, there was a bit of night pistol about the win on Saturday night, and, and it made it all the more special for both Karen and, and particularly her dad, Peter. Yeah, and I, I know you've got a strong, long-standing friendship with the Mannings, and Karen, and she's, uh, well, she's lovely, really, isn't she? And she's just got the, uh, she's the perfect ambassador, and uh, I know without betraying any uh, confidence is Dan. You had a really nice text exchange with her after the race as well. Uh, uh, a bit of uh, just expressing, uh, further expressing her uh, amazing joy at uh, being able to uh, win a race named after the great champ. Uh, so, yeah, she's um, she's got a lovely soft touch, Karen Manning, hasn't she? And she's a great ambassador for the sport. And like most people, identifying you know when it's heartfelt and people really mean what they they're saying. And uh, I. I from my, our perspective where we were watching the race in Tassie, you know, I've, I know all the participants that were in that race, but the great story that came out of it was that Plymouth Chubb winning and for Peter and, and, and for Karen, and I just wanted to let them know that uh, I thought it was special, and uh, I know Karen really embraced that, and uh, she, she'd reiterated it was incredibly special for her and appreciated the message uh, big time. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, one of those moments doesn't have to be a Group 1 race, but there's something within it um, that you can get out of it. And that's why you love all, all of the three codes, don't you guys? And, um, yeah, the Night Pistol, we, we had Karen on last week and we talked about Night Pistol and how good and how tough he was. And uh, Plymouth Chubb's heading in the right direction. Who knows? He's only a fool. Or maybe he'll end up overseas and uh, flying the flag for Australia again in some of the, the great trotting races in, in Europe and, and throughout Scandinavia. Catch a wave, went up to Menangle and, uh, and just missed the top three finish out there? Yeah, but uh, top four were going to get through to the Chariots of Fire, which is Saturday night, a $200,000 race. Drew, uh, drew a wide gate, never really got into it, continued to make ground, but when they're going 26-8 their final quarter and you're making up multiple lengths, which he did, it, you know, he's probably broken 26 seconds his last quarter. You can't really go much better than that, but it was just too wide on the turn, too far back, and his effort was really good, but it was another Victorian. He's the son of a gun who, who won the race impressively, 
um, uh, to get through and win. And, and any other year, the horse that would win this pale face Adios Stakes would probably be in the top two favourites for the for the Chariots of Fire. And he's a son of a gun's previous start. He was the horse that finished second to Captain Ravishing. So when you think of that really good group of horses Saturday night in the pale face Adios Stakes and how far he's a son of a gun, and invitation only who ran third Saturday night, was also behind Captain Ravishing, or Ravo as you like to call him, Matt, um, the, in the four-year-old Bonanza. I, I think it highlights uh, the chasm um, uh, between uh, Captain Ravishing and this next really group of horses. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, it's not just the chariots of fire. Um, it is uh, Captain Ravishing taking on more than just a really good field of four-year-olds. In a, in a way, he'll be up against the clock. I think everyone's expecting Captain Ravishing to do something extraordinary with a with the with a clock and and go some amazing time. We all want to be tuned in. It's a must-watch race next week in Sydney. Yeah, well, well said. It is going to be must-watch activity. There's no doubt about that. The the, the chariots of fire. It's the the premier race for the four-year-olds. And I've got to ask Dan. I don't know whether they can, but is there a way that they can beat Captain Rubbish in this weekend? I, you know, I always refer to that saying of Lee Matthews, you know, if it bleeds, you can kill it. So, yes, there is, but no, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might say that. Hey, uh, Danny, what, what else was there to take out of the Victorian side of racing over the weekend? Yeah, look, uh, Bondi Lockdown won in Sydney uh, on Saturday night. He's on a path towards the Miracle Mile. Indeed, he could end up running against the Captain Ravishing, but uh, Bondi Lockdown was in the top group of, well, the age group every year he's been through, but he had a really tough uh, 12 months ago uh, leading up to the Miracle Mile. He went through the Chariots of Fire, placed in that. He was the horse that I referred to as the Rocky Balboa. He kept getting knocked down, but he'd get up again. You know, it's like that tub-thumping song. I get knocked down, but I get up again. And that was Bondi Lockdown, and I think it just took its toll. He had some very, very hard runs. He's been off the scene for a while. He's changed stables. He came back in that race with a copy of that um, during the middle of the year at Melton, and they both went through that bumpy period. He's since changed stables, gone up to Belinda and Luke McCarthy, uh, and he's just starting to put it together. He was terrific winning, winning one of the lead-up races to the Miracle Mile. So he'll probably go around in one of the uh, mile uh, qualifiers on Saturday night. He was terrific. Torrid Saint ran second in that race. So their, uh, their carnival is really warming up. And, and the 11-year-old Trotter, Tough Monarch, took out their feature race there for the Trotters on Saturday night. So it's a huge night Saturday night. Uh, with the Miracle Mile qualifiers, the two sprint races, and also the Chariots of Fire, and also the uh, the Oaks and a Derby coming up, and all of their feature races, the Ladyship Cup. It's a big time up north, but it's also a really good time down south. Plenty of country cups still to come. A lot of focus on the the trotting action as well here in in Melbourne, and uh, on Saturday night as well. Um, good old bulletproof boy. He ended up winning another race. Scott Ewan, what a remarkable animal he's been. Thirty-three career wins. I know that pales into insignificance with horses like Gamalite and Paleface Adios and Cane Smoke and the like, but it's it's an amazing performance. He got up at good odds again, so well done to Scotty Ewan. Um, and Andy Gath, too, he, he just highlighted again his horse Outlaw Man's now on seven of its uh, last eight starts, a former Kiwi, and was picked, uh, Jordan Leadham picked up the drive, and he's done a fabulous job 
and so professional in the way that he places his horses, Andy, and, and Outlaw Man somehow ends up with barrier one and it wins again. So I think uh, he's, his performance at placing his horses has highlighted again that he was so good. And Matty Craven, who I mentioned with he's the son of a gun, he also had another horse he trains called Hordercam win the last race on Saturday night at Melton. Now, Hordercam throughout his last prep kept chasing home Cravash Door, who's another sensational four-year-old trotter but in the season prior um, Plymouth Chubb always had his measure as well so he franked that form through Plymouth Chubb and it was one of a, a, a two-state double for Matt Craven Great work Danny, look forward to catching up with you on Thursday, there is so much terrific racing on the horizon, we will preview it all on Greenlight On Be terrific, thanks guys, enjoy the rest of the day We will, the great Dan Malecki joining us there